travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. While we typically book our holidays based on the destination, it's often the component experiences that really make or break a trip. Whether a half or full day outing, day trips within a longer trip are the elements that make a vacation truly memorable. Still, making the most of your time can be challenging. So how do you ensure that you make your hours in country count? Today, we'll share some of our favorite, most rewarding, and memorable half and full day experiences across the region that we've personally enjoyed to help you make the most of your time in Asia. So to do that, I'm Scott Coates in Bangkok, and with me as always is... It's Trevor Ranges. And can you guess where I am, Scott? I'm going to guess you're in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Yeah, I am not currently in Siem Reap, nor Kampot, where I have recently been. That's right. Yeah, the day trip, I, you know, is that a day trip? I guess you could make it to Kampot and back in a day trip now. Uh, my friends got down there in their car in two hours. Really? Have they fixed the road? Yeah, the road's amazing. So, you know, day trip options are always changing everywhere you go, you know, and as we talk about some of our past favorite day trip experiences it's funny that like some of them i suppose most of mine are still doable um but a lot of mine aren't necessarily things i planned although i have worked in tourism and i've designed some day trip experiences i think my style is more just like show up and go and explore you know i'm not much of a i mean i plan i, I research everything but i seem like when i get there my day trips are a little bit more spontaneous yeah, mine are a bit more planned than yours. What I did find interesting going through mine is that only one is actually a quote-unquote paid tour of sorts. Every other thing was just a day I sort of cobbled together and I still look back at and go, wow, that was a really slick day. It had all the elements. It had food. It had culture and activity. It was just, you know, a really, really good use of time. So I did find it kind of interesting that it's not a collection of paid tours or anything like that. How, how about yours? Are yours mostly you're doing or some of them join in trips? You know, I never really had done any join in trips before. I didn't even know such things existed in, until, you know, a few years ago, I guess. You know, but although I, I wrote a lot of like travel guidebook material, so I have like, you know, that wealth of knowledge for things to do in a place in Thailand or Cambodia or Bali, where I've written quite extensively. When I think about other places, let's say like Japan or Korea or, or other parts of Asia, China that I've been to, I don't know that people could replicate my day trip experiences just because like it is more exploratory. So I think there's a little bit of a combination of like some that I've, I've designed and recommended for people. And then some that are more just like, here's something that I did that I think you could probably pull off too. Yeah. Thinking about how I plan my trips, I probably plan about 60% of it. I typically don't book those, you know, quote unquote tours. Um, I do have a look at Google maps. I kind of mark a lot of things where I might want to go. Uh, if something seems time sensitive, yeah. I'll definitely fill it in or make sure I, you know, I've made arrangements to do it to make sure I 
I get it in. I generally do a big walk maybe early on somewhere, see what I discover, suss out some spots I thought might be interesting, and then decide where to spend the rest of my time on the trip. I'll go have some drinks somewhere, maybe get opinion from a few people that are there, and then I sort of dial it in for the rest of my trip. So then some of these are some that you didn't necessarily plan, but this is what happened and, and other people should try it too, kind of like I did. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of all of that. And, you know, you mentioned Kampot just at the beginning of this, and we recently recorded a patron-only episode with a quick chat about your time in Kampot. And what that is is people that love this show so much, they show us a bit of financial support. We share with them every two weeks in between these regular episodes, either a video or a short special episode, just for them. So if you enjoyed the show, you'd like to get in on that action, go to patreon.com or hit the donate button on our website and you can sponsor the show. Lots of little goodies and you'll know that you help Trevor and I keep this going. So Trevor, how are we going to approach this episode? I think you just made a, a bunch of examples and I did and we cut and pasted them in kind of random order. You know, I did actually peek a couple times. So there's a couple of them that make sense to go in order. Um, so I think you should kick it off and then, uh, and then I'll take it from there. Okay. And this first one. So I sat back on the weekend and I was having some coffee in the morning and just really organically thought what memorable trips come to my mind. And this is the only official organized kind of trip. And my wife and I went to Kuching, Malaysia in 2015. That is on uh, the island of Borneo in Malaysian Borneo. Kuching is highly worthwhile if you're within a short flight of there. And I'm calling this one apes and kayaking. So we had a great couple days and we knew we had to see orangutans who are semi wild in this sanctuary. And then I'd also read about some nice kayaking nearby. And I found a company, Semadang Adventure. We'll have links for all the places we talk about on our website, so make sure you check them out later. But Semadang Adventure is a locally owned company, and they had a day trip that takes you first to the Orangutan Sanctuary to see the food being put out in the morning, then for kayaking on a nice river. And I got to say, they did a really good job. It was just truly local guys. They were personal. They actually knew how to tell stories well, educate us about the area. And it just flowed really well. You know, it was enough time in each spot. They had decent little kayaks, okay quality. And they really just prepped us for what was ahead. We had some really nice kayaking on a charming little river. Uh, we wheeled up to a little village on the river and had a nice lunch. And they told us about that community. And at the end, I think we finished at their local home village, which is the ending point. I believe we had a couple of beer and they drove us back. And you know what? Seven years later now, I'm still remembering it really fondly. And I went and checked out their website. They're still in business, but it was one of those rare times where I thought cool. you know, the hosts were great. It was planned in a, in a logical way, flowed well good use of time, learned about the area, tasty food, checked all the boxes. It was, it was a really, really good one. So how about you? I'm going to stay in the region um, and give a day trip in Bali. I did write uh, a travel guidebook to Bali that isn't necessarily published. There's parts of it out there. But, you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time in Bali. And Ubud is one of the most famous tourist destinations but like if you're staying somewhere else in bali like ubud isn't a good day trip because for starters the traffic around ubud is is crazy traditionally the roads on bali are, are mostly little narrow windy things jammed up with, with cars and motorbikes and buses and you really want to stay in ubud for a few days 
and explore Ubud on like half days or full day trips from the town and then go and stay at the beach for a few days is like a separate thing and do like beach day trips. So I was going to do like one of each, but I thought like I would do like a little Ubud one just because, you know, Ubud is so famous and people go there for, you know, the culture. They want to see some, some artistic performance, go to like a, some wellness retreat. It's, it's got this, the rice fields, this spectacular beauty, but like, you know, I've always been really interested in history and Bali's a, a Hindu, an island culture. And, uh, you know, they have a history that goes back a thousand years in the Ubud area. And there's some really cool sites to explore around there. On the Google map that I made for this episode, I dropped pins on them. So you can kind of see the, the group of places to check out around the Ubud area. That does a combination of some of these historical things and some of the natural beauty too. So you can do it as like a half day or a full day. Um, I recommend doing it on a motorbike just because... Uh, in, on the motorbike, you, there, there's lots of hills, so you wouldn't necessarily want to do it on a push bike. Like Scott, you're pretty fit, but like the the hills up around Ubud and up north from there are super steep. So a motorbike is is a good way to get around. You could do it in a car, I guess, but then you you wouldn't be able to explore like some of these little roads that go winding through these tiny villages where you could stop to interact with people on occasion and really get inside the natural beauty, you know. So motorbike's the best way to do it, I think. I started with, uh, there's a UNESCO World Heritage Site called Goa Gaja. It's an elephant cave in Badulu. And uh, nearby, there's some other carvings at Yepulu. They're these like thousand-year-old carvings from the kingdom that ruled Bali from this part of the island. So next door, these t- these villages are tiny too. People think of Ubud as like this big place, but the, the boundaries of these villages are really small, and they're quite close to each other. So in Badulu... Uh, there's the village of Pejing, which has some really cool, interesting religious sites, including the this ancient bronze drum that's like the largest in Asia. It's massive and it's ancient and it's cool. And maybe people don't think these things are as cool as I do, but like it, it's such a great way to experience Bali, I think, is learning some of their history um, before going north. Uh, head up towards Patulu and Tagalalong and Tempak Searing. And you could look on the map and you could go drive around up on these little roads exploring this area. Um, it's just spectacular. I mean, there's water temples with holy springs and the terraced rice fields. And there's these caves that, that are also ancient archaeological sites. It's, it's really cool. So if you go to Ubud, go explore a little bit outside the city. And there's a lot of really cool things that you can see. Yeah, that sounds like a great little itinerary. And I've been to Ubud, did a little bit of biking, a little bit of walking around, but I don't feel that I made nearly as good time of it as that. Well, my next one is going to be short, this one, and then I'll have some longer ones to share. And I've probably mentioned this, I don't know, three, four or five times on the show before. I have always loved being in Siem Reap, Cambodia, just being there, but grabbing a bicycle, riding out to the Angkor Historical Park, And then as you enter the historical park is ride towards the moat of Angkor Wat itself and ride just there's a dirt track on the outside of the moat and just circumnavigate that whole temple and then head towards Angkor Tom, which is another city just a kilometer or so away. And you'll enter through a massive stone gate. As soon as you go through that stone gate, hang a hard left and go up and on top of the wall. And you can go 12 kilometers around the top of that fortifying wall. And there's sort of a dirt footpath or, you know, bike path up there, dirt. And it's quiet 
and I've just always, for some reason, found it super magical up there. And it takes a little while to go around the top. You have to come down again at each gate and go back up. And there might be a bit of pushing your bicycle. And, you know, you could even take a bit of food, maybe a sandwich from one of the bakeries in town and eat it atop the wallet because each of the corners has a little, you know, a little tiny temple there. Or you could head to another temple. But just I like something about in addition to those two is just circumnavigating the outside walls of any big temples. But those two in particular just always fascinate me. Always a great way to get in a bit of activity, take a snack and yeah, super favorite activity. Um, I see your next one is in Cambodia as well. That's a good one, Scott. Yeah. Well, you know that uh, Angkor Thom wall I haven't been to in I'd say like four or five weeks now, you know, so hopefully I'll be wow. back up there in a couple of weeks, but that's something that I do pretty, I do that pretty regularly though, you know, cool. so that's definitely a great experience. Envious. Um, but I did mine from, Phnom Penh, actually. Okay. Um, you know, we have uh, we've we've lined up a guest for an upcoming episode, and he's going to tell us a bit more about this. But uh, I picked Phnom uh, Tamao. There, there's a bear sanctuary there, operated by Free the Bears, okay. and the Phnom Tamao Wild Wildlife Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. There's an animal sanctuary there. Both are about forty kilometers south of Phnom Penh. Now, the best way to do this would be on an organized tour. Like you want to contact Free the Bears and have them pick you up here in Phnom Penh in the morning in a little minivan and drive you down to the bear sanctuary just south of the city. It's really cool. Like Free the Bears operates in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool family. It's family friendly, I'd say. You know, it's it's really, it's nice. You're, there's forest up there, so it's nice and cool. You have like trees. Um, they protect sun bears and moon bears. Um, that had previously been held in captivity either as pets or they were going to be used for some kind of like medicinal, you know, powder or some shit, you know? So, but, but it's not like a zoo at all. This is like a really cool experience and that you'd stay in the morning and you kind of do this bear experience where, where you can make like these treats for them and you can hide their food in an enclosure so that they get exercise, their minds and their bodies looking for, for snacks, um, which is real neat. Uh, then they give you lunch. It's like a really good Khmer food and you eat kind of Khmer style and a little like sala kind of thing. So that's nice for visitors. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you can spend time at the, the, the wildlife sanctuary there where they have, uh, some crazy animals that you would never really ever get to see elsewhere in the wild in Cambodia, like uh, a clouded leopard I saw there last oh, wow. time it was really, really cool. And, uh, Binturong. You know what a Binturong is? No idea. What is that? It's a bear cat. Bear cat. It's a bear cat. It look, yeah, it, they smell like popcorn. That's one of the things they're famous for. But they look like a giant, it's not clearly a raccoon because they have these really long tails. They're huge. They're like the size of a big dog almost. Hmm. So that's a pretty cool experience, I think, for as a day trip from Phnom Penh. Sounds like a fantastic experience. And I can't believe how many times I've been to Phnom Penh. And I either didn't know about that place or I just somehow have not made it. 40 kilometers takes a wee bit longer in Cambodia to get to than people in the West. But yeah, I, next time I'm there, I've got to get out and see it. That sounds fantastic. And we did have a really good chat with Matt from Free the Bears, which is on an upcoming episode. So you're intrigued by that. You want to learn more? Have a listen. But that's a, a real good one, Trevor. Cool. What do you got? Okay. I've also mentioned this one in parts on past episodes, but I think it's pretty tough to beat. So Bangkok is concrete. It's hot, not a lot of trees, a lot of tall buildings, but just along Bangkok's Chao Phraya River, sort of just opposite the city center almost, is an area called Bangka Chao. And it's sort of 
known as Bangkok's Green Lung. And this is an area that's been pretty well protected. You can't supposedly build higher than a coconut tree there. And it's a pretty good green space. There are people living there. There are some businesses, but it's small. It's quaint. It feels more like being out in a village. And there's a lot of little canals with uh, sidewalks above them. So you would get to Klong Thai Pier, and that's pretty easy to find. Just use Google Maps. There's also another pier further down Sukhumvit Road. I would guess probably out around the 50s. And you just take the little public ferry across. There's all kinds of people renting bikes. And then I would say open your phone, open Google Maps, and you will see all the roads that are there, but you'll also see a lot of little green dots along little water passages. And those green dots generally mean that there's a sidewalk next to the canal path. And a lot of these canal paths have a guardrail on one side or sometimes two, but you can just really map it out in your own and go one direction or another. And you'll never really get lost because you just backtrack a kilometer or two and you'll find your way. But I would say follow a track that goes past the Bangkok treehouse. That's kind of cute. You could pop in for a bite to eat or a drink. Sure. Further along that path, there's some other little restaurants uh, that you can have a drink or some food. If it's a weekend or holiday, you could go into the Bang Nam Pung market. They have a lot of people selling things along the canal. I have a restaurant, which we have a link to on our show notes, that has incredible, probably my favorite, duck noodles in all of Thailand. And Ooh, you could also, on wow. the way back to the pier, go to the Sri Nakhon uh, Khan Khan Park. That is a mouthful. And just have a little ride around there. It's kind of neat. And then head back to the pier. But I'd say if you head there, you could easily spend anywhere from a couple hours up to like four or five. And I also know in Bang Chao, they have an attraction near the pier that you arrive at from Klong Thai Pier that is kind of aimed at kids. And you go across bridges and ropes and stuff and play in mud. So they have like big water features and mud features, and that could be kind of fun if you have kids. But a visit to Banka Chow is a really great way to get away from the chaos of the city. Pretty low cost, little bit of activity, and uh, it's been a long time favorite. I still cycle over there, you know, every couple of weeks. I'll blast over on the weekend. So yeah, I think it's super high value. And you've been there too, right? Huh. Yeah, I have, and I've been there with you as well, mm -hmm. but we didn't go to the duck noodle place, man. And you know, listeners, if you've if you're new to the show, like Scott and I take our food quite seriously, mm -hmm. you know, and living in Asia, like there's some amazing food around here. We've done a number of episodes about food and for Scott to say, those are the best duck noodles he's had in Thailand. Like that's on my list for the next time I'm in Bangkok for sure. So we'll go ride bikes down there and, and get some duck noodles. They're How's awesome. That? Okay. I see your next one is in Thailand. Tell me about it, man. Yeah, th that's totally coincidence. Like I didn't even pick mine, but they all <laughs> seem to like follow yours really well. And and I was just thinking, I don't know, I picked these randomly. I was just thinking about different day trips that were good. Great. And, you know, I picked, uh, yeah, a, a day trip from Bangkok. And it's a train trip up to Ayutthaya. And Ayutthaya is the ancient former capital i guess not ancient it's the former capital of thailand and it was for for quite some time before the city fell to the burmese and it became a historical site as it is today and you know it's actually a really popular thing for people to do when they go to visit thailand i think and so for me to choose it i think is a little bit weird because like it seems like the most obvious day trip you could do but then like again i was doing some work for for our friend who had the travel dojo. So if you go to travel dojo, 
website, you might be able to see this Ayutthaya information um, because I spent several days in Ayutthaya exploring by bicycle. And I know, again, that that seems like an obvious thing to do, but like, I think it's a great thing to do. Like the day train from Bangkok to Ayutthaya is, it costs like less than a dollar, I remember. You just take like whatever common public class, you know, with the open windows and the, the wooden seats. How long's the train ride up there? Do you know, Scott? It's not very long. I believe it's about 90 minutes. But the one caveat is the train now leaves from Bangsu, the new train station, not the one at Hulampong in the center. But you can take the MRT up to yeah. uh, Bangsu. Okay. But I just, yeah, it's not a long train ride. The train ride is quite uh, enjoyable. You know, you get to see a little bit of the countryside. If you ride in the back, you know, in the, the, the regular coach class, you get to hang out with some Thai people. There's snacks always being brought on board the train that you could buy and try for really cheap. Um, and then once you arrive in Ayutthaya, there's bicycles for rent, like right there at the train station. And you could just hop on them and go ride around. The whole city's flat. And, and there's ruins everywhere because it, it's a big city. And I think, you know, when I used to go with tourists, like when my parents visited or when, when Tony and Scott or Noah, those guys came from Hawaii, we always went to like the most touristy temples, I guess. Um, and did the, uh, what was it kickboxer Jean-Claude Van Damme? That's a famous, uh, film that was <laughs> set in the UTA briefly. No, but like if like, like on the side, same, like I went to every temple in Ayutthaya because I was doing a guidebook and I needed to go get like GPS locations and photos and do a little write up about every single ruin. And even if you just stay on the same side of the, the, the moat as the train tracks, you know, stay, stay along the train track side of the city and you just go north up that way. And there's a number of like amazing ruins that like there's no people at and, but there'll be like a, a modern Buddhist pagoda, like on the grounds of this ancient ruin where there's still people going to like make merit and stuff. Ayutthaya has a lot of charm and uh, I, I think it, it should be included as a day trip when, when people go to Thailand, if they want to get outside. In addition to the ruins, I found this really cool boat museum um, for people who might be interested in boats. Hmm. Um, I, I'd like to think that the man who, who built many of those boats um, is still around, but he was quite old when I went there last a number of years ago. Yeah, he's the royal boat builder. He had all these photos of him with the king. He was like a former like admiral or something like that. He designed like those royal, the big royal boats and stuff. And he's got a number of them on display. It's only a museum. It's like his house slash his warehouse where he built boats and stuff like that it's it's amazing so I, hopefully that's still an experience people can have otherwise there's a japanese village just to the south of the city and that's really cool because they give you some good history on what ayutthaya was like before the fall because it was an incredibly cosmopolitan city you know there was travelers and traders from all over the world that that came to siam and ayutthaya was the capital then you know so that's pretty cool as well and then on the way back, the train can stop at the Bangpa'in Palace, which is a royal retreat for the kings of Thailand that has dozens of really interesting buildings that different kings constructed or commissioned over the centuries since AUTFL. And uh, that's a pretty inexpensive and interesting little stop along the way. Yeah, I'll fully back you up on Ayutthaya. It's been a little time since I've been, but I've probably been there. 40, 50 times over the years. And it is stunning. There's an incredible number of temples. It was the capital of Thailand from 1350 to 1767. During that period, it actually grew to its largest physical size. And yeah, it's a great day. The one thing is it's a full day and it is hot as hell every time. So just make sure you 
kind of stay hydrated or prepared for that. But I fully back you up. Good call on that one, Trevor. Thanks. What do you got next? Where are we going? My next one comes together to be called Castles, Beer, and Art. It was June 2019. I like how you named it. I was in Japan for work. That sounds romantic, but that all that is true. <laughs> but after my work, I decided to go mountain biking, like downhill mountain biking, at a ski resort in Nagano. So I caught a train a couple hours northwest of Tokyo, and I was going to mountain bike for two days, but it was really raining hard, and they had a mountain bike competition on, and so not all the trails were open. So I rode one day. It was fun, but I thought, you know what, the cost of this, and it's raining tomorrow, I'm not going to do it. And I just sort of looked online for what else there was in that region. And it seemed a 40-minute train ride north. There's a town called Matsumoto, which I saw had a couple microbrews and also had a museum. So I thought, what the heck? And I rode up there and I found a restaurant to start the day that did a night katsu curry. So it's like a fried cutlet and kind of a curry on rice, which is great. And then I went to the Matsumoto Castle. And there's quite a few castles in Japan, but this one apparently is one of the largest and or oldest but it was really really beautiful and then i'm not a a big art guy but i saw that the matsumoto city museum of art has a permanent exhibition from one of their most famous residents ya yoi kusama and she is famous for doing art a lot of it that is has all these polka dots and she actually has lived for a long time on her own uh, accord in a mental institution because she's kind of unstable But this museum was incredible, like wild art with these polka dots, but then also at least half a dozen rooms that you would go into a room and it would just be all themed out. Like one of them was dark with a few little lights and weird mirrors that made it look like there was holes going hundreds of feet into the air or into the ground. That was really incredible. And then I also visited the really neat Matsumoto Brewery Tap Room. So it was a tap room for a brewery there small but really nice staff and just four other japanese guys in there i had a fantastic scottish ale there that i opened and shared it with all of them and then i went to baka brewing run by a couple that used to run a restaurant but got into brewing had a few tasty beers there and then caught the train out so it was a big full day but i mean i got my history in with the castle i got my culture in with a famous artist had some good food and I hit two microbrews. So to me, that was like really one of the best days I've had in the last decade traveling. And you know, the cost was pretty low too and, and, and self uh, navigated and put together. Cool. I like that. So that's sort of a day trip within the city while you're staying there. Yeah. Rather than uh, something to do outside or around it. Yeah. And I was staying 40 minutes away actually at this other place, but the trains are so good there. I just rode the train 40 minutes up and 40 minutes back. So it was a, a big full day trip, but yeah, had it all. Yeah. Mine's more of the, I took a train to get somewhere and then uh, explored from there. So I think it's more like the Ubud type destination Okay, because mine was not, not strong in Vietnam and you know, Vietnam's quite a long country. It's, a, you know, there's the distances between a lot of destinations are quite far. So I think it's one of those places where like you'll arrive in Nha Trang and then there's a couple of different day trips to do. I thought it was really cool, you know, that there was a variety of, of attractions in the area. But one of the ones I remember that was really cool uh, that we did while I was there was a day trip that first went to these mineral hot spring mud bath like spa. Hmm. Have you have you been to Nha Trang to the mud bath mineral springs there? I went to Nha Trang about probably close to, I don't know. 28 years ago, but I did not make it to those. No. Oh, 
Yeah, no, you don't want to miss this. It was great. You sit inside these giant wooden like tubs and then it's got like a faucet that fills it up with like hot mud Mm. and like you sit in like this hot mud bath and you can do it like couples or you can do like a group hot tub (laughs) mud bath i think you know and then after a while you you you, you know you put it on your face and everything you can like dunk your hair whatever go in the mud and then you lay out in the sun until the mud like dries and then they have like hot spring like waterfall showers that you just like wash all the mud off and then you like dry yourself off and you feel like all new again and then you jump in the mud and you do it all over and like your skin feels amazing after it's and it's fun it's cool it's 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 a cool experience and and the cool thing i think again with with day trips is there's never like that's it that's your day trip a day at the spa i wouldn't call a day at the spot like a hot spring you know but next to these mineral springs and mud baths there's also a, a cham temple and as i was saying earlier i'm a big you know history and culture and religious nerd so the cham were the historical rivals to the kamai in in cambodia and at angkor um, and the Cham culture and the Khmer culture at some point back in, in their history back there were very similar. So they have this Cham temple that uh, I think here I have some notes here. There was an inscription from the year 781, but that was like much later. I think it might date back to like the fifth century or something like that. Hmm. Um, and it was built to it was built to honor Durga. And there's a there's a sculpture of Durga there. Her name there is Yan Po Nagar. This is an incarnation of Uma, who was Shiva's wife, the god Shiva. His wife Uma turned herself into the Durga in order to to kill this buffalo demon. And it's always been a, a cool story, and, and the iconography of it here in Cambodia is pretty cool. But this temple's in quite good condition, and they have, like, Cham people there that perform dances and stuff. I don't know if that's regular, but like maybe, you know, they do it for visitors um, because they were dancing when, when we visited. And you can just do this like from on a motorbike. It's just on the outskirts of town. It's not even the outskirts of town. It's like a, just there on the, on the far side of the riverbank on the north side of Natrang. And then on the way back, there was these local crab restaurants like right by the waterfront and the, we like for ten dollars there was like this giant basket of crab like more crabs than you could ever possibly eat and then they cook them however you like it and uh, that's always a great way to to end a day trip is with a, a great tasty cheap feast winner winner crab dinner trevor that sounds fantastic yeah. sounds like you nailed natran well mine is also in vietnam and this was a great day i had out with my wife and i'd been to Ho Chi Minh many times before and in fact I think I had been to the museum that I'll mention here back when I was about 21 but at that age I just didn't really care too much about it but this one's called Ho Chi Minh History Beer and Pho so this one's put together using foot power but also grab bikes meaning grab are like little taxi motorbikes you call up with an app on your phone uh, we started with some food at the famous but very local Pho Hoa Pasteur, and I love the pho soup they do, the spring rolls, probably have to have a Saigon beer or a 555 beer. And then I believe we made a long walk to the really fascinating, truly stuck in time Independence Palace. Now, my history is a little off here, but I believe this is where the government was last held up and commanding and managing forces from 
before uh, Saigon fell to the north. And they basically didn't change anything in this palace. So you visit it and every room in it is exactly like it was. So there is a war room with big maps on the walls and old rotary dial phones. And there is a bar and lounge area where they entertained people. And it has, you know, shag carpet almost, I think, and a pool table and old lamps. And in the basement of the place, there's like little tunnels and stuff and communication areas where they were going to hide out from bombings. And on the roof, there's actually a chopper parked up there. So I just, maybe being a little older now, I really enjoyed the, you know, the press pause and time factor to it, that there's famous pictures of the tanks barreling through the front gates of Independence Palace. And again, that they just left it as it looks exactly like it was. So that was really great. Of course, we were full on history and pretty hot by then. So we headed to Beacraft, a great little pub that we've mentioned on some of our episodes, a recent one about beer. If you go back, sampled some Vietnamese craft beer, then had some of the best pizza I've ever had. And there's quite a number of these across the country now. Pizza Four Peas. Man, they do incredible pizza. Have you ever been there, Trevor? No, you know, they opened a Pizza Four Peas uh, on the riverfront next to uh, Wat Unalom, right up by the FCC, you know, just north of that. There used to be that little lot. Yeah, they op- they built like a little lot. They could, yeah, there's a Four Peas here now. I haven't tried it yet. And then there's people who are like, it's, you know, the original is better, of course. But Well, Pizza Four Peas was a great dinner. Then we kind of strolled that pizza off a bit by just walking past Notre Dame Cathedral, which you have to see, the Opera House. And guess what we did to end it? We went to Heart of Darkness for some more craft beer. So it, again, was a five-star day in my books. Lots of history, culture, some great local food, some pizza, and we got more beer in there, and then some really beautiful European-style buildings. So that was a day. Man, I wish I could go do it again right now. How about you? Which uh, which one are you going to share next? You know, at this point in the list, I was starting to run out of day trips. And I'm like, God, you know, like, I, I don't know. If we, I don't want to keep talking about the same areas. I have more day trips for certain destinations. And other times I just like to explore. So, you know, that's what I thought of. I was like, well, I talked about you know, getting around on a motorbike and, and different ways to get around. And, you know, one of the things I always like to do in Thailand, well, I was going to say like, don't go to Phuket, you know, or if you ever go to Phuket, that's what I tell people, just like go to the airport, you know, but if you're staying in the North of Phuket, you know, so you're nearby the airport, you can rent a car at the airport and drive North, um, get out of Phuket, go to Panga province. Uh, Panga is a province that lies like kind of North and, east of phuket so it's sort of like shelters the island i guess um but if you go north into panga um towards kaolak uh which is famous for the boxing day tsunami that area of the thailand so beautiful and there's all these beaches that don't get very many people at all and there's waterfalls and there's a couple of national parks that you drive through so even the drive like it's one of my favorite places to drive in thailand just Mm -hmm. because like you know leaving phuket going north like playing some music windows down like you get the breeze you can just stop at the beach along the way like anywhere again if you go to our show notes there's a link to a Google map and I dropped some pins on a couple of the beaches and a couple of the national parks there um, that are worth going to visit. There's waterfalls, there's hot springs up there as well. 
Honestly, again, I would say don't go to Phuket, like stay in Kaolak or stay somewhere in Panga in that area and, and rent, you know, rent the car from Phuket where you land and then explore just day trips around Panga. You can even go up to Khao Sok National Park, which is one of Thailand's most impressive. And, uh, and there's, yeah, it, it, just that whole coast in that inland area exploring by car. There's a whole bunch of day trips. I think that's way better than going to Phuket. Sorry, Phuket. Yeah, that's a really good call, Trevor. That coast up there is fantastic. My next one takes us to Sri Lanka, and it's a, a town called Gaul. And I had a really great few days there, but you could and easily one day kind of do what we did, and that's going to the Nautical Museum and City Wall. So Gaul is a walled city. It's just the last southwestern part of Sri Lanka, and it used to be occupied by Portuguese at a time, Dutch at a time, British at a time, a bit of a trading outpost surrounded by this fortifying wall. So we just tried to navigate the top of the wall as much as we could. And you can walk on some of it, other parts you have to come down, but along the way, have some neat snacks, saw some amazing colonial buildings. And I'm not typically a huge museum guy, but we went into what was the very interesting National Maritime Museum. And something that really kind of blew me away there is one of the things, and it was a big piece of pottery that came from a place called Si Sanchanalai, which is about an hour south of Chiang Mai, big pottery center. And I thought, man, isn't it incredible that this pottery was made south of Chiang Mai, like hundreds of years ago, moved, you know, 800 kilometers to coast, put on a boat, sailed, ended up in Sri Lanka, and later ended up at this museum. So I thought that was really neat. I wrote a section on a guidebook, timeouts book to Thailand years ago about Si Sanchalai. So that was neat. Stayed at a beautiful little place called Mango House. While we walked around the top of the wall, saw some people trying to make some money from tourists, jumping off the cliffs into the water, and some other neat stuff. So it was a really great half day. We stayed for a few days, but Gaul is really worth a visit. And just strolling, snacking, getting up on that wall and checking out that museum to me, really, really solid experience. Cool. You know, for my last one, I'm going to stick with that kind of theme I just did by switching. I was like, oh, you know, where do I like to explore by car? But I think, again, like I mentioned, motorbike is great for exploring around Ubud. Again, provided you wear closed-toed shoes, jeans preferably, and a helmet. Otherwise, like, I'd love to explore by bicycle or just simply explore by walking around, you know, pretty much anywhere. You know, like, you can fit in a specific attraction or, like, a place that you intend to, like, get to. You know, like, I'm going to ride a bike to here or I'm going to walk to here at some point today. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like, along the way, I say just explore, you know, try and, you know, you go to a place, I was thinking, like, Champasak in Laos. And the, like, really the thing to do there is go to Wapu, you know, the, the ancient temple on the, above the riverside, you know, but just exploring right. on a bicycle and cruising around the village is such a, an awesome experience anywhere in Laos, just exploring the village on a bicycle is really cool, you know, or like in a big city, I think about like, I was like, Oh, what kind of day trips can you do in like Tokyo? And like, I remember like in Tokyo, I just like to pick a neighborhood and go explore it, you know, and you might pick like a specific attraction that you want to see in that neighborhood, but then, you know, hit that, but then other just cruise around and kind of like engage yourself in the local culture. So you can always go to our show notes and check out the link to episode 44, great day hikes in Asia. Cause I think some of those day hikes that we mentioned were, were things like this, where you just explore a city or an area um, on foot sometime. And, and I think by bicycle or by foot, just like cruising around and, and seeing a different side of the destination is really the best half or full day trip. Yeah, indeed. I, I agree. And we've been channeling each other here 
and it, it really has been unplanned. But <laughs> totally. my final one is in Laos too. And you know, we talked about the four thousand islands or Sipandon and Watpu, which you just mentioned. These are located in southern Laos along the Mekong River, just before it gets into Cambodia. And we did that on episode eighty-five. But when I went down there, I spent the night on Don Khan. So there's two islands very close to the border with Cambodia, uh, Don Khan and Don Det, which are connected by a little bridge that was built by the French. Because back in the kind of, I think it was about the 1870s or 80s, the French would boat up the Mekong River, and then there's some rocky rapids around Sipandon, these 4,000 islands. They couldn't get the boats past it. So what they came up with was, hey, let's take these boats apart. And these aren't tiny boats. These are like steel boats. They built a train line, which is probably about three kilometers long, maybe. And they would then put the disassembled boats on the train line, have people or a little train engine pull this thing. They built a bridge to go across to the second island where they would reassemble the boat and then put it back in the water. So you just rent a small little country bike, one speed with a basket in the front and ride the dirt roads on these two islands. And it was really, really awesome. I had some nice lap, which is the uh, Lao national dish, kind of minced pork generally or chicken with cilantro, shallots, some lime juice, some chilies, checked out a really nice waterfall, had a beer at Kong Yai Beach, which was neat. Went and checked out the old French port, rode along the old railway bed, checked out they have one of the old little engines that pulled uh, the train with the boat parts, had lunch along the river. And it's just such a nice outing using pedal power, seeing locals, you know, doing their thing, riding little dirt roads, diving deep into this amazing history. And if this interests you, fantastic book is called mad about the mekong and it talks about the french as they were setting out from ho chi minh city paid by the government thinking if they could map the mekong river all the way north then they would just own everything around it and it's a crazy story but that's still a day man that i'm just charmed i'm like tickled pink and feel warm inside thinking about it so wow man this has been a fun trip down memory lane but also I guarantee any of these trips, if you do them like you shared or I shared, people are going to have a fantastic time out. Yeah, you know, and it's almost a half-day and full-day trips in Southeast Asia. You broke out a little bit there with uh, Sri Lanka. And Japan. Um, but it's sort of funny. It's funny how, but yeah, right, it's funny how we did independently come up with this list, but we all sort of, like, and I, I just cut them and pasted them in random order like that, too, just in chronological order. And we still sort of picked the same destinations or sort of a same vibe. So I think that was, uh, I think we, we have some good ones for, for people, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And there's a theme around foot power, pedal power, little motorbikes, things like that. But of course, stay safe. You know, you made me rethink about all the great trips I've done to Ayutthaya over the years. And I haven't been back there in probably 10 years now. And I got to get back there. And that's a pretty easy one to do. So, yeah, I really appreciated that. And you made me feel like I got to go back to Ubud because I had an okay time there. But I didn't have nearly as good a time as you shared. Yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of things to do. I was reading the text I wrote for, for the Travel Dojo Ubud stuff. And I mentioned that Ubud is more than a village it's a state of mind and in many ways it is like there's so many different reasons people go to ubud but amazingly enough around every little corner down this trail past the rice field there's seems to be this unending 
number of amazements and interesting things and cool people and fascinating experiences. So there's a number of day trips that we could do for Ubud. Maybe we got to revisit uh, Bali as an episode sometime. I, I'd like to go down there soon. I was thinking for for Thai New Year, Khmer New Year, but I don't know. Yeah, that could be a good one. Now, we got to explore just more Indonesia, period. It's such a big place. Well, look, if you enjoyed the episode, if you like these, you like what we do, please support us. Hit the donate button on the website or go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, and become a patron because patrons get a bonus something, something in between every regular episode. And we recently just recorded a patron only episode about Trevor's recent trip to Kampot, Cambodia in the south talked a little bit about what it was like and what he did there so become a patron help us keep this going thank you for listening trevor wrap this dreamy travel episode up yeah well it doesn't have to end you can go to our website you don't have to donate but you can while you're there but you should go and check out the google map that we put together because we dropped pins on the places that we mentioned on the show so that you can put your own half day or full day experience together as soon as you come to thailand and or cambodia and laos or bali all of which are available for people to travel to now finally so hopefully mm. people start to get some practical use out of the podcast again and uh, we appreciate whatever support you can give us for that so thanks for listening and uh scott and i'll be back in two weeks with uh with a guest so stay tuned thanks for joining us on talk travel asia we look forward to sharing with you again soon Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom 